The word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Back when our oldest was in college, we had the opportunity to travel back and visit him at West Point a couple of times. And whenever it was a weekend for parents, the Corps of Cadets would always parade. It's an impressive thing to watch thousands of cadets marching with precision and standing in formation. And it's also a mildly frustrating thing as parents because you're looking for your kid in a sea of uniforms that all look the same. But the point is that nobody stands out. And if you're a cadet, you don't want to stand out. At one of these parades, though, a cadet stood out. As rank upon rank marched by to fife and drum, a murmur rippled through the bleachers. One cadet was missing her cap. From the insignia on her sleeve, she was an upperclassman, but her hair was tightly wound in a bun, one bare head in a sea of gray wool. Now, cadets will do whatever they can for each other so that nothing looks out of place on parade, but two can't share a cap while they're marching. And no one envied her. In the preparations of the morning and the hour of milling about at waiting for the march to begin, something had gone wrong. There would be consequences because whatever else she had going for her, she was missing her cap. You can't share caps and apparently you can't share oil. Today's gospel reading is not about sharing. It's about watching and waiting, about being prepared. The bridegroom is on his way and the wedding is soon to commence. And so 10 virgins go out to meet him. There is a difference among them, Jesus says. Five are wise and five are foolish. The five wise virgins take flasks of oil for their lamps in case the bridegroom is delayed, while the five foolish do not. And that's it. That's the difference. They're all virgins. It doesn't say that five are maidens and five are floozies. They're all chaste and modest. 
You'd be proud if your son brought one of them home. They're all invited and appropriately dressed for the celebration. So you can't tell who is wise and who is foolish just by looking at them. The five foolish might be the bright, outgoing conversationalists who were having such a great discussion that they didn't double-check their oil supply. They might even have a bag of extra snacks and a deluxe cosmetic kit for touching up before the processional. But whatever else they have, and whoever else they are, they don't have the one thing they need. The bridegroom is delayed, and the wait goes deep into the night. Weddings sometimes don't start on time, and maybe there are some who joke that the bridegroom has changed his mind. Maybe the jokes turn to concern as the hours wear on that something bad has happened. Wise or foolish, it's no fun to wait. And so all are likely tempted to be impatient and irritable and anxious. Eventually, everyone becomes drowsy and falls asleep. And neither wisdom nor foolishness is a cure for fatigue. And so all ten slumber. At midnight, though, the alarm sounds, the cry rings out, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. The virgins awaken and trim their lamps for his arrival. But with the delay, the flames are flickering and fading. The foolish say to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answer, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. This is another one of those things that I haven't researched, but I'm going to guess that there are not a lot of oil marts dotting the countryside that are open 24 hours a day. The foolish virgins have no choice, though. They're off to find more oil. And while they're gone, the bridegroom arrives, and all who are there pour into the hall for the festive celebration that is the wedding feast. Eventually, the five foolish virgins do return, have they found more oil? We don't know. We do know that they call out, Lord, Lord, open to us. Lord, Lord, in Greek, Kyrie, Kyrie. But he answers, truly I say to you, I do not know you. And on that ominous note, Jesus concludes the parable by saying, Watch therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour. When the parade begins, you want to have your cap. When the bridegroom arrives, you want to have the oil for your lamp. When the Lord returns in glory, you want to be ready for his coming. Waiting is a part of life. Sometimes you can't wait, sometimes you can you can wait for the next dentist appointment to have your teeth scraped with metal and to hear that your gums are going the way of all flesh. So the days seem to fly by before it's time for the next checkup. But you can't wait if you've broken a tooth and the pain is intense, so the minutes slow to a crawl while you sit in the reception area for your turn. Time is very plastic that way. If you like someone, an hour of coffee and conversation takes a minute. But if you find them tiresome, it feels like a day. The life of the Christian is the life of waiting for Jesus to return in glory.
Sometimes the time goes by fast. Sometimes not so much. You might be in a position where you can wait for that to happen, for Jesus to return. The Lord has given you abundant blessings in this life, so it's pretty easy and enjoyable overall. So you're happy to have some more years left. You might be in a position where you can't wait for the Lord to return, though. You've lost enough and suffered enough where you're already quite ready to move on to the joys of the marriage feast of the Lamb and His kingdom, which has no end. Either way, or somewhere in between, the Lord tells you to wait, He tells you to watch, and He tells you to be wise. To be wise is to be ready for His arrival whenever it takes place. And since the entrance into the eternal feast of heaven is through the last judgment, you want to be sure that you are found not guilty on judgment day. And this is what we talked about last week. It is not good enough to be good enough. That's the error of those in Amos 5, our Old Testament reading. They're convinced that although they sin, their sacrifices are enough to make up for their sins. It's a common belief and a tragic mistake. If you've fallen down a well, you can do all the works you want to, and you're still stuck in the well until somebody calls you out. Likewise, your works are not enough to save you and never will be. They cannot haul you out of the waterless pit of death and the grave. To be ready for the last day is to be holy, to be wholly free of sin. That doesn't come from your efforts. It comes by the work of Christ who became flesh, who lived that perfect life, who died your death for your sin and rose again to give you credit for his holiness. He has clothed you with it in your baptism. He continues to feed you in his word and in his supper. He pours out his grace so abundantly that it should be very difficult not to be forgiven and prepared for his coming. Imagine that you're living in some region where the water is only turned on for six hours a day and you need to take a shower and get cleaned up. The solution is simple. Go to the shower and get cleaned up while the water is pouring out of the spigot because there it is for you. It would be absurd for you to roll around in the dirt, wait until the water's gone, and then complain that you can't get cleaned up. That would be on you. You need to be clean, cleansed of sin, to be ready for the Lord's return. Look, there's his word in his supper again and again and again, pouring out his grace in his life again and again and again. It would be absurd to roll around in sin, wait until Judgment Day arrives, and then complain that you're not forgiven. That's on you. The Lord has been pouring out forgiveness upon you in His means of grace. Be clean. If you can wait for the Lord's return... If your life is pleasant enough that you're okay to postpone the kingdom of heaven for a while, oh, then give thanks to God for his blessings for this body and life. However, beware. Beware that lest you become so enamored with these gifts of God that you neglect his gifts for eternal life. The Lord didn't die on the cross to provide a comfortable time in a dying world. 
He was crucified so that you might be delivered to life without end. If you can't wait for the Lord's return, if you are troubled enough that you're quite fine if the Lord comes today, now, then the temptation is to give up watching if he doesn't return now, today. This manifests itself in things like impatience, disappointment, despair. And sooner or later, all must deal with this because this is a world where we and all things are falling apart. When you are tempted to be frustrated with the Lord that he has not returned and you are still here, you'll be tempted to look at the wisdom of word and sacrament and say, what's the use? Now, you are likely in between these two poles. For some reasons, you can wait for the Lord's return, and for other reasons, you can't. Both desires can abide side by side, or you can go back and forth between them several times a day. The timing is left to the Father, not to you. And while it may be a difficult thing to wait and watch in faith, it would be a much more horrible thing if God left it to sinners as to when to end the world. Wherever you are on the watching and the waiting, remember that the Lord is merciful. You are far more to him than just a guest at the wedding. At the cost of his own blood, he has made you a part of the church. You're a part of his bride. The marriage feast of the Lamb, which has no end, is for you because he loves you so. You don't watch and wait wisely because grumble, grumble, you have orders and you don't want to get into trouble. You watch and you wait wisely because the bridegroom is coming for you. That's why you don't wait, but you cry out, Lord, Lord, Kyrie, Kyrie, now, Kyrie eleison. Lord, have mercy. That's your prayer now and always. It's why it's one of the hymns of the liturgy that we sing each and every week. And you pray, Lord, have mercy with joy because you know that the Lord is merciful. You're not praying, open to us and let us in with the fear that salvation is uncertain. And he says to you, I do not know you. You're praying because he's already said, I know you by name. I've made you mine. I've already shared my death and my resurrection with you so that no matter how much time this world has left and no matter how much time you have left, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You cry out your curies because the Lord gives what he requires. He requires holiness, so he continues to shower you with forgiveness. He requires penitence and faith, so he gives you his Holy Spirit. He requires love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So he credits you with his own while he continues to foster good works within you. That's why you don't stop praying, Lord, have mercy. Because the Lord delights to keep being merciful. And whether time is flying or dragging, you pray, Lord, come quickly. 
In his mercy, he hears that prayer and he answers. The bridegroom keeps visiting his bride as the marriage feast draws nearer. With every proclamation of gospel and every Lord's Supper, he answers that prayer and says, Here I am. So he sustains you until the day that the trumpet sounds, he returns in glory, and the marriage feast of the Lamb begins, and it never ends. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.